Welcome back. It is me, your managing editor, Nick Hausman, with a new episode of The Winkly, the first of the week. And I am joined here, as I am always on Tuesdays, by my good friend, Michael Weissman. Michael, welcome back to The Winkly. That was the longest one yet, right? Also, that's what she said. But I'm no, a, that was the longest one yet, right? I'm I'm gonna I'm I'm not gonna lie, Michael. I got to spring in my step this week. I'm feeling good. Uh, elimination chamber, I thought was good. Yeah, uh, it was a uh, it was great. I I'm 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 in a pretty good mood, right? A- a- AEW vibrant, good. Yeah, we're on the road to WrestleMania, baby. <laughs> yeah, we are. Nothing can stop us now. No, except for fast lane. Except for well, we're, that doesn't stop. That makes you faster. It's like remember a, when they had a pay per view called Roadblock? That's what I want back. I want Roadblock back. You want Roadblock back? That's negative though. Fast lane is like a positive. We're on the fast lane. Yeah, that that pay per view had prestige. Cachet. That name had cachet. <laughs> oh sure, capital like pu- capital punishment. <laughs> like I was thinking capital punishment. I was like, great names, great wrestling pay per view names. Uh, well, we're going to have a good time here today. Uh, before we get underway with the Winkley, I want to send out a congratulations to the Miz and Maurice, of course, at the chamber before the tag match. It was announced they're going to be having their second child joining Monroe Sky, setting up uh, the Miz and Mrs. Season 3, I think, because they already filmed two, you know? Mm-hmm. Man. Back- Winkley fans all know this. I freaking love the Miz, okay? I'm a huge Miz fan. Um, I, I had the chance to talk to him a couple years ago at WrestleMania. It was the highlight of my entire life. Sorry, wife. But talking to the Miz, amazing moment in my life. So I could not be beyond excited for them, and I'm looking forward to the phone call I get from the Miz to be their standard babysitter, on-call babysitter, whenever uh, they need me. Uh, I'm there. That, that's cool. I've never had time to like sit and talk to the Miz. I had one brief interaction with the Miz. you want to hear it? Yes. Okay. So I was at a bar, WrestleMania weekend in Dallas. I, is that the one where the New Day came out of the Bootios box? I think, I, yes, it was. It was. Yes, I think it was yes. too. Okay. So I was at a bar, and I was talking to some people, and out of nowhere, Miz jumps in. Okay, I will say, like, Kofi Kingston was in the circle at the time, right? That's why I remember the Bootios thing, because I was like, how, how cool is that? He was like, you know, get to jump out of a box of bootios. I'm living my best life. Everything's great right, right now. You know, right. literally hours after you jumped out of this giant box of cereal. And we're talking with a, another friend. And Miz comes over to grab Kofi because they were going to, like, the official WWE after party. And li- I had no idea he was there. Literally comes in behind me over my shoulder. And I'm like, holy shit, it's the Miz. And uh, I was like, hey, nice to meet you. I said, I'm Nick. And, you know. He's like, oh, nice to meet you. I go, you know, I've really enjoyed what you're doing with this new, because he just started doing the Hollywood character. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. And I was like, I really enjoy what you're doing. I heard you're watching Andy Kaufman tape right now, and I can really see some influences in your work. And he looks at me and he goes, you mean all you hillbillies from Memphis, Memphis, Tennessee? (laughs) And he kind of like joke. He kind of moved around like Andy. And I was like, Dude, that was awesome. And he goes, all right. And he, like, took Kofi, and they left. And that was it. That was the only interaction I've ever had with The Miz. And he did his Andy Kaufman impression for me. That's amazing. So I, I got to give my quick Miz story here. We, okay. Not that we don't have enough to talk about today already. Sure. But sure. Let, let, me, let me jump in here with this. So I, I don't get starstruck. I don't know how you are at this point, Nick. But I don't get starstruck very easily just because they're just normal people, right? They right. all drink cereal or drink milk and eat cereal like we all do, right? right? So, But The Miz and Stone Cold Steve Austin have always been my two white whales. And I have been moments away from talking to both men at various points in the last five or six years. Well, at WrestleMania Orlando, doing some interviews, uh, a buddy of mine, Brian Fritz, used to be co-host Between the Ropes, sure. um, 
anyway, we were doing some interviews at WrestleMania in Orlando, and they were saying, okay, time everybody go away. Well, we saw The Miz coming through. So Brian grabs the PR guy, and he's like, can we get two minutes with The Miz? He's like, nah, he's done. <laughs> Brian was like, let us just do a walk and talk. Can we just do a walk and talk, right? This sounds like Fritz. I can visualize this in my head. Go on. <laughs> the PR guy's like, all right, we'll do it, right? So Brian grabs the camera. I do the walk and talk, but I don't do like I don't do an actual interview with the Miz. It's all in character, right? My character up between the ropes is still it's a real part of me. I love the Miz, yeah. but totally fanboying out with this interview. And you can just tell there's this moment where like the Miz is prepared for an actual journalistic interview, and I'm just like the Miz. Uh, hard hitting question for you here. How does it feel to be so awesome? And he's just totally taken aback by this thing. Maurice says, anyway, greatest moment of my life. Wow. That's that's yeah. that is fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Fritz, by the way, had a great interview that just dropped uh, today with the Young Bucks. Right. So let's put a perspective yes. of the man you were just describing there. So he, he works for Sporting News, but owned between the ropes for many, many years. So right. yes. great journalist. Yeah. Yes. So uh, go check that out. But if you're listening today, man, you know, that was a fun opener. You could tell we're both in very good <laughs> moods here today. And I don't even know why we spent so long in the opener, because we have a ton of news to get here to today. And we've also got an exclusive interview. I sat down with pro wrestling and MMA legend Josh Barnett, who's going to be hosting Josh Barnett's Blood Sport. WrestleMania weekend, April 4th. Uh, we're going to be talking to him all about that crazy card, the influence of MMA on pro wrestling. Uh, the We talk about the Young Bucks and in some of his commentary in New Japan for the Young Bucks. Um, so I, I think you guys are going to enjoy this interview quite a bit. That'll be up here later today. Uh, tomorrow on the show, uh, over the weekend, our own Joey G, I was telling you guys on Thursday, was at the Impact Wrestling TV tapings. He attended all the VIP events. Um, he had a lot of fun. We got some great coverage. All the spoilers for all three nights are up right now on the site. Thanks to Joey G. Go check the Twitter account for photos with him uh, and some videos. But I'm going to have him on the show tomorrow for a segment where we're going to talk about what it was like to be an Impact Wrestling VIP in Vegas. And you're going to get to hear all those stories from Joey tomorrow on the show. I'm very excited about that. Uh, and uh, and there you go. That's all my plugs for the top of the show. Let's Let's get to it here. Now, it, that we we discussed the news of the past five days. It's not like the Wednesday and the Thursday show where it's like the past twenty four hours. We're gonna we're gonna talk about all the news of the past five days, Mike. And we're gonna we're gonna have a, we're gonna have some times here. Uh, we do the real work here. Labar just comes in and does you know scrap pickup duty, right? That's yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. Now there was a lot of news <laughs> that came out of Elimination Chamber, right? But that was on Sunday. So there were three stories that happened before the chamber. I think we should talk about first before we get to to the results and, and the news coming out of the Elimination Chamber. Now, now TMZ reported last week that Jimmy Uso got arrested in Detroit. Uh, now, he was in the car with his wife, Naomi. Naomi was said to be driving the wrong way down the street. Uh, the report says that their car reeked of alcohol. Jimmy, I guess, got out of the car. He took off his shirt. He squared off to fight the police. The cop pulled a taser in fear of the situation. Jimmy got handcuffed. He was booked, and he was later released on bond. WWE issued a statement. Jonathan Fatu is responsible for his own personal actions, um, reminiscent of, uh, of what they said last year when his brother was arrested for uh, a DUI, I believe. Uh, and this is Jimmy's third arrest since signing with WWE. He was arrested on DUI charges in March of 2013 and September 2011. This story just upsets me, um, Michael, because... It's very reckless to put yourself in a situation, but it's reckless for so many people around you. And to hear this story keeps happening again, and, you know, I guess I have to tie in the fact that, you know, these guys got the titles here at Elimination Chamber. 
I don't know, man. I mean, like, I don't want to be like, you know, more morality police, but it does send a little bit of a, an odd message to me, especially for a promotion that, you know, boldly markets to, to families and children at this point. Well, and WWE has time and time again proven that <clears throat> in order for something to make a big splash, maybe then they'll react. But by and large, they tend to avoid if there's controversy in the news, they don't often let it affect their booking, especially if it doesn't make that big of a splash here with Jimmy and his third arrest. I agree, Nick. This is super concerning. I'm worried a little bit about Jimmy here. I know it's been five years right. since his last DUI, but let's, let's not gloss over the fact that this is his third DUI in the last decade, okay? And and Naomi with him in the car, again, you pointed this out. Everybody else, he puts at risk by taking these reckless actions. Guys got to be I able to get I think she was taxi. driving because it said Naomi was driving the wrong way down the street. So I think she was also intoxicated. I think they, you know, I mean, from what the way I read the report here, you know. Oh, yeah, that is correct. But so, but they cited him. Um, he was in the car and got out and took off the shirt, I guess. Right, right so, yeah, for obstruction of justice, I think, is what the official charge was. That's right, that's right. So e either way, though, it's just it's a reckless action by Naomi and Jimmy here but for both parties. I, I would assume alcohol did play a factor in Jimmy kind of blowing up here. Yeah. But it doesn't make a big enough splash for WWE to think it's national news coverage. People have already forgotten about it. They're sleeping on it by Sunday morning, Sunday evening. They're the tag team champions. It doesn't matter to the company. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, you talk about not letting big news influence their product. There was another story that broke a little closer to Elimination Chamber uh, where Corey Graves' wife posted to Instagram. Uh, I'll read the full thing she wrote here. This may be totally below me to do, but I'm hurt. I'm sad. I've put 11 years into supporting a man to accomplish his dreams only for him to punch me in the gut. I've been through suicide attempts, alcoholism. Among so much more with him and stuck by his side, the kicker is finding out that he's been sleeping with one of my daughter's role models all along, Carmella and Corey Graves. I hope you are happy. I really do. Uh, she shared some screenshots of a, a very despondent Graves where at one point, you know, according to these screenshots, he said that, you know, WWE may sue her if she uh, keeps sharing these details. Uh, pro wrestling... <laughs> Pro wrestling sheet. I've got the whole power of the WWE behind me, so be careful. <laughs> Man, yeah, uh, not a good look. Uh, pro wrestling sheet that says, uh, you know, Corey and his wife, I guess, are in the process of a divorce. I guess they've been a different, according to this reporter, this source that they have, they've been at different homes for six months. And I guess, you know, he told her about Carmella this week, and that provoked her to, to post what she did. And, and I guess since then, Corey's wife has since deleted her Instagram account. What What a mess. Because, like, the the first part of the story broke before the chamber, and then the second part, I guess with clarifications from a source that we still really don't know, uh, you know, just a mess, you know. And it, it does seem to have affected Corey's – I mean, the, there's there were a lot of allusions and stuff to what's going on, I felt, between him and Renee on commentary the past couple nights. Absolutely there was, and there was definitely an extra little bite to Renee's – comments to him. Her snippiness was extra snippy, if you will. Yeah. Um... I, I – these, these two stories, though, they contrast in interesting ways for me because the first one, the Jimmy Uso-Naomi uh, DUI story, is a bigger deal than I think it was played up to be. And it should have been a bigger deal to WWE, I personally feel like, because it does have some impact on both their public perception and uh, real harm, real actual physical harm to other people, right? It, it could have resulted from that. And WWE kind of skirted over it, whereas the Corey Graves story— I think is interesting. So many people on the internet were very quick to call out Corey Graves. It felt like without kind of knowing the full scope of the story. Again, you got to be careful when the early rumors come out because you don't know where they're coming from or the entire framework here. Right. And um, this really does feel more like a 
in, in retrospect, more like a non-event, right? We all kind of made a big deal about it over the weekend. A lot of people on Twitter went out. But if it was, uh, you know, an angry divorcee lashing out at Corey Graves, it's not that big of a story. But yet it's the one that really has grabbed the zeitgeist of the internet wrestling community. Yeah, um, it's this is why I think they call them dirt sheets, because I feel gross and dirty, like even talking about this. You know, this is really unless this had not been aired out by by his ex-wife. And, you know, we don't know her motivations or why she she did what she did. Uh, maybe, you know, whatever. But uh, it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's it's definitely gross. I feel gross. To, I don't want to talk about it anymore. I put the two dirty stories up top because I don't want to talk <laughs> about I don't want to have to waste any time. Right. So, yeah, this these were two kind of weird stories going into the chamber um a, a not so weird story there was a storyline injury that wwe did with becky lynch re-injuring her knee uh by attacking charlotte she jumped the, the guardrail at a wwe live event over the weekend big fan of this man this is the kind of stuff you got to do to keep those that live event business up this is stuff to make that that feel important i love how they they did this michael Absolutely right. It's been a while since we've had a live event title change, or we, we you know we've had random appearances by Brock Lesnar before at certain live events. So mm-hmm. I like the focus here, especially keeping probably the hottest storyline in WWE active over the weekend, right before Elimination Chamber. Yeah, it was a fun little tie-in. And again, Becky Lynch showing up. She's the hottest act in WWE right now. To your point, WWE live attendance feels important because of this one thing. So kudos to WWE for a smart booking decision. And here. you know, and that's the thing is, you know, historically it's like, oh, how do you get people excited about live events? You know, there's been title switches and stuff, right? Um, and then that's fine. But I think stuff like this, where like, even if you know, you do three shows, six shows a weekend now, because there's like, or eight shows a weekend, because there's two touring brands. If you just did one thing on any one of those eight shows, there could be something you could air on Raw or SmackDown, right, each week to tie in what you're, you're doing in this other part of the world with what is your biggest platform. I could, I mean, it, it seems like a fun, effective way to, to help boost those live event numbers. Absolutely. This is, listen, guys, if you've not been to a live event in recent years, that's where the good matches happen, right? Mm-hmm. Don't I always tell people, don't go to Raw, don't go to SmackDown, Fine. go to a live event because you're going to get really good wrestling at those shows and everybody gets time to breathe. Now, you know, again, it's not on TV, so it doesn't feel as important. WWE needs to find a way to make live events feel important to the yeah. fans whose town they go and visit more so than TV, which is, oh, look, it's on TV. And, and so, that's one way to boost it. I think um, advertising matches that are exclusive to live events. I think broadcasting some of these on the network, right? Pared down broadcasting of matches or whatever else, to your point, I think it would draw that attention back in and boost those numbers back up. Maybe they don't even need to reinvent the, reinvent the wheel here. Maybe we just have a long series of Becky Lynch, like, crashing <laughs> WWE live events. I mean, I'm fine with that. She was great at Elimination Chamber in that role. I, she should just show up to where all the AEW guys are showing up, right? That would be... <laughs> Man, and, and the thing, my 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 favorite thing about the Becky Lynch segment. She's suspended, she, right? I mean, it could happen, <laughs> dude. I don't. I don't even want to get into the suspension. <laughs> it's going to hurt my head if we if we break if we talk about the suspension. It's going to hurt me, Michael. We have to stop. But um, I like because the, she came back and was allowed to come into the ring on the Sunday night. Despite the, anyway, go ahead. Remember how they like the last time she did this? They like actually had three or four security guys there that tried to stop for like three or four seconds. They're like, "All right, we'll do your thing," you know. <laughs> There was no, you're right, there was none of that this time, to the best of my knowledge. And, you know, she really beat the tar out of Ronda and, and Charlotte Flair with those, with those uh, uh, 
uh, what, what am I thinking of? Crutches. Crutches. How did crutches. I forget the word crutches? Tuesday is tough for me. Yeah, no, it was uh, it was fun. I mean, again, why did WWE uh, security let her in the ring like right. they did? Why did why did it take them so long to run out there? Aren't they all just right at the back ready to go? But it was a it was a fun segment Sunday night as well. So I, I like it. I like her showing up. It shows that she's serious. I mean, I, I don't know how many strikes WWE athletes get. Uh, apparently, it's you can be suspended as many times as you want. Most companies, you get suspended three times, you're done, right? But not with WWE. So, um, no, it's she is so red hot right now, and I love seeing her use in this way to promote the entirety of pro wrestling in WWE. I love on Monday night also how Triple H, and what was maybe the highlight, I really like the tables match as well from Raw, but the highlight for me was uh, Triple H being like, if you do this again, we'll arrest you. But how cool was that? Am I right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like there's some level of she's being encouraged by her employer to do the thing they're trying to fire her for. Yeah. Man, that apology. I will never forgive them for that. That's like the Bray Wyatt lost Undertaker at WrestleMania. It's just some things didn't need to happen. Anyway. And none of this holds up. Like, here's my problem with it, Nick, right? Like, if anybody's worked at a real job, you know that companies have HR departments and nothing WWE is doing right now would fly in a typical HR department. Stanford, Connecticut, there are people in the HR department who are, you know, they are just having panic attacks right now over this Becky Lynch situation. Sure, yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm 100% behind you on that. I, I'd love to, th I'd lo I think WWE HR would be a great network series, you know? <laughs> just get some funny comedian, I don't know, sitting there behind the desk each week, different wrestlers come in with their complaints about other wrestlers and the things they've done to them on television. It's like that one, one of my favorite, all and we'll get back to the news here in a second, one of my favorite all-time segments of Raw is whenever Stone Cold Steve Austin won control of WWF from the, the McMahons, and he went to Stanford and did that whole series of him walking around Stanford just acting like Stone Cold running the company still. That was hilarious. That's uh, You should look that one up again. <laughs> All right, get, go out of your way. All right, back, back on track here. We're going to get this train back on track. <laughs> uh, more news. Okay, so now let's get to the news coming out of the Elimination Chamber. Bailey and Sasha... First ever WWE Women's Tag Team Champions. That women's tag match was was very good. It was much better than I think I was anticipating. I think a lot of people were anticipating. And uh, yeah, Bailey and Sasha come out on top, uh, finally pinning. Um, uh, wait, who was the other team that started? They, uh, the iconic. Did they talk about who started or no? Wait, it was Bailey. Who were the two teams that started the tag match? It was Bailey and Sasha versus. Um, I forget who they pinned to win the match. This is bad of me. But anyway, Bailey. Oh, and so oh, they, they they went down. The, I thought the um. Anyway, I'll look it up here in a second. I remember the match, but I can't remember who they they pinned first. I know I got. I'm getting a little muddled in my head. But Bailey and Sasha win the match. Um, I'm I'm not. Oh no, it came down to them versus Mandy and Sonya. That's oh, what, that's right. That's yeah. right, Mandy. Because Samina and Nia Jax were right before that who got eliminated. Right, 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 right. Um, I wanted Mandy and Sonya to win this match just so we'd have heel champions to start it off. They went the different route. They've got Bailey and Sasha here. But two women who really, you know, trailblazers, four horsewomen, deserving first-time WWE tag team champs. I would have just maybe preferred them to get that big moment in a chase to WrestleMania. That's that's my only critique. Everything else about this was fantastic, and it is solely my opinion. Michael, how did you uh, feel about this win here? You know, I dug it. They had a great moment with Sasha and Bailey in the ring afterwards. Very emotional. Um, pitch perfect in my mind. So they wanted to make this feel special. And I think with Bailey and Sasha, kind of two of the four horsewomen of NXT kind of coming out and doing this, it definitely feels special. And I like the fact, as announced on Monday night, they're going to be touring champions. They're going to be on Raw, SmackDown. They're going to be on NXT defending these tag team belts. And so at that point, I think Bailey and Sasha 
that was the right call here because you're going to be able to get these two red hot women as far as how popular they are all across the organization and promoting women's wrestling in a very fun and positive way. And I think these two have lacked a great spot for, for some time. So it's a good fit all the way around to me. Very, very interesting that they brought up NXT there too. I mean, real grain of the area here. And uh, on that note, I think it's a good time to bring up, you know, the, there were some NXT superstars, Ricochet, Aleister Black, Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny Gargano. They just debuted on Raw. Of course, Ciampa and Gargano still hold NXT championships. Uh, they did defeat, defeat the Revival, but a real blurring of the, the lines here between NXT and the other brands here. Um, real blurring of the lines of talent in between brands in general. But with NXT getting the rub in that comment there, and with seeing some NXT talent start to come to Raw, I would guess Ciampa and Gargano are not done on NXT. Um, does seem like they're shining the NXT brand up for something, in my opinion. Um, well, two, two, two things that I think make this interesting, right? Number okay. one, there was an article over on, I think it was Cage Side Seats, a commentary about how Triple H has finally kind of achieved his to territory system, right? He has invented the modern territory system where wrestlers can kind of go back and forth. This is very indicative of that. But also, I think NXT tapings are this week. Somebody else pointed this out to me. They are this week, right? So if these guys go down and tape the next couple of months worth of NXT TV tapings, well, they can kind of still be on Raw while their NXT storylines play out up until Mania. So it works. I don't know that I like it being so close to all the other debuts we just had right especially because the ec3 wasn't even on last night show right Dude, so I, yeah i agree 100 percent. yes nodding my head where was ec3 last night right yes. we're overlooking the guys who you just brought up and again you're if these guys are coming up you're kind of stripping out all of this main event level talent to put them on raw an already crowded roster and you're gonna leave i said on twitter a chris hero and a broomstick down no no there's a ton of great nxt talent down there still but these guys historically a call-up happens, and the guy who's getting called up puts over the next main event guy. Well, these guys haven't put over anybody else yet. So <sighs> curious timing. And again, we're on the road to WrestleMania. The focus should be on the matches at Mania, not new talent yet. That's my pushback. It, but the talents, great it, talents. It, it's, it is weird, right? Because I, I felt like this was – I just thought this was a very weird way to de debut this talent last night, just out of nowhere. I don't know why they did it this way. No hype for it. They did a couple – they did some – photos on wwe.com in the afternoon and some social media stuff teasing these guys would be there but i don't think the crowd was ready for this i don't really know that they knew how to react to it and i felt like we were on the road to wrestlemania and we like stopped at like a pit stop right and picked some people up we we're like you guys get it too and like the yeah. car's very full as it is um because like yeah where where do these guys fall on the card what happens to, i mean i guess i don't know what what are the plans with the other talent but it does it's just a lot of new faces all at once at a very interesting time of the year i i was a little perplexed by the they debut the way they de all debuted on monday night raw last night well let's just clarify that crowd last night wasn't ready for these guys or ready no. for much of anything else apparently because they all took their sleepy pills before they came to the, well, the show but well, well they didn't i don't think they knew how to to feel about a lot of this stuff right they yeah. were like you know it's like are these good guys are these bad guys that guy's a creepy vampire man right the man who came out out of the crypt and uh, stood on his feet there Alistair well, they Black? didn't. They didn't give the fans a reason to care, right? You kind of touched on this. They they didn't build in vignettes. They didn't tell their stories. They assumed that the massive raw audience would know who these guys are. And just calling somebody a big name and having Triple H promote them doesn't make the audience care or have any investment emotionally. And I think better would have been to build these guys up through Mania and then have them debut the night after Mania, but still build them up. They need some background, right? It's it's like the best season of The Ultimate Fighters whenever they switched over to doing more of that docu-series style. 
And I wish WWE would employ some of that in its own storytelling. A docu-series around these younger talents would just do wonders for the main audience really caring about who they are. And, and maybe the, and you know, and you're right. I agree with you. And maybe the decision was made all of a sudden to just flood the lane. We'll figure it out later. Right. We got to get them in there. We know where we're going. We don't have time to wait. We just got to get them out there and we got to get them moving. Uh, Cause we got to put some stuff together. Maybe that's why they're doing it all at once here. Cause there's going to be a, a real change in, in the direction of talent and, and storylines, which is a possibility because you don't have time to wait. you got 24 hours of TV. every. No time. Gotta... No time to wait, Michael. No time to wait. Just call saying. them, tell them to leave their homes, leave their families and be in Lafayette. <laughs> it's an emergency. I need your guys up here in Stanford stat, <sighs> man. And I ran a poll last night after here. Let me check where my poll's at. <laughs> that came out that came across wrong but wow, that's uh, what she said no he yeah i ran a poll last night on my twitter um asking people who i who they thought had the best debut i got 1300 votes 58 percent said ricochet 26 percent said alistair black uh nine percent champa seven percent gargano so you know the the gargano champa thing really didn't come i don't think people knew how to react to them because it was like aren't they bad guys and the revival also bad guys it's, yeah. it, it was a little odd pairing there. Well, and then you talk about the revival here. Not only that, but having them go over the revival is a strange choice indeed as well. You got, you, you're just cementing these guys as the face of your tag team division, right? And then you have them lose to two guys the general audience doesn't know much about or maybe even care about. It just makes them look weak. I, I think wins and losses matter, and I... I don't know what you do here because you won't want to have your debuts lose, right? Especially not guys as hot as Gargano and Ciampa. But um, yeah, it just seemed like a weird call all the way around. Uh, also, let's uh, let's get back to Chamber news. The Usos did defeat Shane McMahon and The Miz. We've talked uh, about the Usos already and their title win. But let's talk about Shane and Miz lost the titles. Miz very apologetic. We're going to get his apology tonight on SmackDown Live. I, I have an inkling of where this is going. What do you think is going on here? Well, it feels like they're going towards more of a Miz face, Shane heel kind of dissension. But I think you could have done that on Sunday night. So in reality, what's probably going to happen is we're going to see Miz kick it back into Miz gear where he is uh, the trash talking heel and maybe Shane is the baby face. I don't know. All right. That's that's one route. Now, here's what here's what I think. And I'm probably very wrong, but I've thought a lot about it, and I'm passionate about it, so I'm going to say it out loud, okay? Okay. So, <laughs> you're laughing at me already. That's negative. <laughs> you just thought a lot about this feud, which I have not done, so I, I commend you for that. Thank you. All right. Now, the Miz here, the whole thing has been about trying to win the love and respect of his father, right? And I think Shane comes out and is like, Miz, you, you got to not be so hard on yourself. We're great tag team but the usos are one of the greatest tag teams we're just two guys who got together we lost the usos there's no shame in that game you're trying to impress your dad you're a great singles wrestler miz you got to shake this off we're all here for you right now and i think you need to get back in in the world title picture and i don't think there's any better way that you could impress your father than by by winning the world title at wrestlemania hmm. okay all right. And that would give you a logical babyface challenger for Daniel Bryan. It would put a red hot Miz in position to be the face of the brand as his TV show is kind of going. I, I, I could dig that. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. Thank you, Michael. I also dig that. I hope that is where they go with this because the idea of within six months turning this into babyface Miz versus heel Daniel Bryan, very intriguing to me. Mm -hmm. uh, and convincingly, no less. 
Um, but the Observer reporting Daniel Bryan, actually his new number one contender is set to be decided tonight on SmackDown. So we'll find out how very right or very wrong I am. But I guess this is for Fastlane, so something could still happen after that. Uh, Kofi Kingston, according to the Observer, is not currently factored into WrestleMania main event plans. Now, uh, the stars that I guess Dave is saying here that are reportedly in discussion would be returning names. So somebody like a Bray Wyatt, a Sami Zayn, a Kevin Owens, uh, maybe Kurt Angle, John Cena, Dave Batista, The Undertaker. I guess Sami Zayn here, according to this, is, is ready to, to return to action. Now, uh, also in this, it's interesting that Batista's name's in here. Apparently, according to Dave in this report, Batista doesn't have some interest in signing with AEW. No idea why, but he has yet to sign a WWE contract. Apparently, Cena is less likely to face Daniel Bryan because I guess there's other plans for him already at WrestleMania. And it is also interesting that Undertaker's name is on the list here. Of course, he's going to be at StarCast 2. I guess talks with Taker about WrestleMania just began again about last weekend. How about that? How about that? Um, so that's the lay of the land here. A couple things to take away. Of course, the Miz's name, my pick, not in this mix. I'm fine with that. Um, these other names are all very good. Uh, who would, if it, if not Miz, who else would you, uh, see here as Daniel Bryan's new number one contender? I mean, there's a lot to unpack just from all this news that kind of came out of this. I, I loved the stuff between Kofi Kingston and Daniel Bryan. That was a good chamber match Man. elevated by an amazing finish. And I think that if they don't, if they don't seriously look at Kofi Kingston as a potential number one contender, they're doing themselves a disservice. I'm not saying he is as big of a name as all the other guys you just mentioned here, but there is some kind of built-in chemistry between these two men. The fans were very organically behind oh, Kofi. Man. That's that's something that's hard to earn, right? It's hard to get fans behind. Hey, hey, can you got me? You got me there? Yeah, I can hear you. Sorry. Yeah, okay. I, I heard like I heard your microphone got taken over. But yeah, you're fine. Yeah. Keep going. You're you're but, on a good I, tangent. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's just it's very it's very hard this day and age to get fans organically behind somebody like they are behind Kofi Kingston right now. And so I think it's a miss if they don't seriously consider him. And I think they're leaving money on the table. Now, that being said, obviously, if you look at it as kind of a broader picture, the idea that your main event could be John Cena versus Daniel Bryan, that looks big on a marquee. Kurt Angle versus Daniel Bryan, that's a potential dream match. I'm not saying it'll be as good as it once would have been, but that's still a dream match, marquee match that could be big. I'm not interested in Batista. I think Undertaker would be a huge mistake. No reason to put him anywhere near the world title, pic title picture, especially not with a workhorse like Brian. Um, but Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens could be two potentially interesting ones. Bray Wyatt, I don't have much interest in other than the previous storylines they've had. But again, I, I want to take it. You're, you're going to have the main event with Seth Rollins and Brock Lesnar out there. You're going to have a big name with Becky Lynch and Charlotte potentially and Ronda Rousey. Let somebody like Kofi get the rub here because he could be a consistent face on your programming in the main event picture for months and months and months to come. I love the idea of Kofi Kingston playing the Daniel Bryan role of organically getting so overcome WrestleMania season. He needs to be put in Daniel Bryan's match. That's a story I can get behind. I think that's yes. very funny. Um, well, yeah, like you said, there's a lot to unpack here. I guess Batista, according to Dave, no interest in AEW, but you have to sign a, a WWE contract. A little, little surprised by that. But again, like Batista, his what would his role? I mean, we, we, we had a Billy Gunn interview last week on the show, and he's one of the producers for AEW. And he's like, yeah, Batista Goldberg would be great, but how do you work him with the roster? You know, like we want young talent to shine here. These guys can come in and give somebody the rub or whatever, but we're not going to make this the Dave Batista company. I mean, that was nearly almost exactly what he said, you know? 
Yeah, I don't think there's any harm in having some some legends on roster there, right? And I think Goldberg would be a great fit because he carries some kind of anti-WWE cachet that would make AEW more interesting. I don't think Dave Batista makes AEW interesting from a roster perspective. Goldberg does, but Dave Batista not so much because I want to see Dave Batista locking horns with some guys like Triple H that I think brings back the WWE fan and memory of Batista. Goldberg doesn't have quite that many memories. It doesn't surprise me, though, he's not interested in signing with AEW because really... What does AEW have to offer him that he's not going to get? WWE has a big push, has WrestleMania, big events. It feels more Hollywood, whereas AEW honestly feels more wrestling-focused. So I can see why he's not interested in them. But I would love to see AEW lock down somebody like Goldberg just to add some layer, like like a Chris Jericho, right? Adds a layer of depth to their roster yeah, that but, potentially makes the show more interesting. Yeah, but Chris works the style of these guys, right? Like, he sure. can go out there. He's sure. been proving it for a while over in New Japan. Goldberg and Batista, they, you know, again, like, they just don't work like the way a lot of these guys do like how do you, i mean i could you look dave versus Pac would be awesome who by the way i don't know if you saw the gnarly photo over the weekend like dislocated his finger and had to pop it back into place have you seen this photo Ugh. yes oh it's God, gross this stuff makes me squeamish oh so gross but like Oof. batista Pac, zero percent body fat match that'd be incredible you know big dave just like posting <laughs> For Pac, well, Pac treats him like a, you know, gymnast uh, pummel horse, you know? I mean, I, I could, I, you know, there's, there's, there's things you could do with Dave, I think. But in the long run, it's not he's not going to be like every other member of the roster who's going to be working hard, trying to put together matches. Wins and loss matters. That's a big thing Cody has talked about. So I just don't know how these guys fit into the lay of the land. So I, I could very easily see it just being a, hey, best of luck. I don't know if this is the right fit for me kind of deal, you know? Right, right. I do think there is some interest, though, in kind of contrasting styles in professional wrestling, right? I love, don't get me wrong, the indie style is fun, and I want to see these indie guys lock it up, and you're right, Chris Jericho fits that mold better than a lot of guys. But I also think sometimes it's like the, it's like what happened last year with with Finn Balor and Brock Lesnar, right? Sometimes contrasting styles make for some really unique and interesting matches. And what my concern with AEW is, we don't need a super ring of honor, right? We don't need the next version of that. We need something that's got different levels. WWE used to do more of this, different kinds of matches to make up a whole card. And I'd like to see them add somebody who could do some of that. Maybe it is Batista, uh, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, John Cena, apparently less likely to face um, Daniel Bryan. I guess they have other plans for him. I mean, I remember the the rumor being he was going to face off with Lars Sullivan, who has become a Yeti and disappeared off into the mountains somewhere. Um, so I don't know what I don't know what you do with Cena. I think a Cena Batista match would be a layup. You know, if you can get sure. him, if you could do it, I, I would love to see that match happen. You know, Cena Batista would be great. Again, Cena versus uh, Daniel Bryan has some built in, you know, built in backstory there. You could play off of. They're both very different now, and I think that could be interesting. John Cena is not going to be your champion, or maybe he does win it. Who knows? Capture that illustrious record. Uh, John Cena could go a lot of different ways, and I think that you can plug him in strategically here, and and whatever they whoever they pair him with will be a big match. I hope they don't do some kind of weird tag match with him though. Yeah, or Cena Braun Strowman. You know, Braun Braun sure. hasn't had a big WrestleMania. I mean, he had the thing with Nicholas the year before he was in in the Andre the Giant Battle Royal. You know, Cena would be a, a match he could have that would have some some cachet to it. So. John Cena, Drew McIntyre, somebody who's in desperate need of a serious feud right now, who could use it, who is, has the look and the style. That would Man. be great for me. When I just when I just said Cena, Braun Strowman, I just had flashes to WrestleMania three, and I was like, yeah, John would love this match. He's like, I get to <laughs> I get to be new Hulk Hogan, and he gets to be new Andre. I'm so down for this. You know, this is the problem with John Cena, though, right? I would not pair him with a guy like Braun Strowman because 
Braun is not the same kind of worker that John typically pairs with and has great matches with. John would get too competitive in the gym and he'd pull something and he'd injured himself. You That's know? right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're telling me you're stronger than me, Strowman. Braun's like, I'm a professional strongman. That's, that's, what I, <laughs> that's what I get paid to do. Yes, I'm much stronger than you. Uh, uh, speaking of that, I know it's not on a run sheet. Can I just give kudos to the the speaking of strong men? The Mark Henry documentary that yeah. came on after Elimination Chamber Sunday night was really, really, really good. If you've not seen it, check it out. Uh, Mark Henry is such an interesting character. He has such a long career, but it's a guy that you don't realize there's much how much depth there really is to him. And as somebody who's been a fan of the of, of the sport for how long he's been in the business, I just love kind of that recap. And and you should definitely, definitely go to the network and watch it. It's one of the better things they've produced. Awesome. Yeah, I uh, I need to check it out. I, I have it on my, my list here of things to do today. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a Houstonian. I saw one of Mark Henry's original WWE appearances in 96 when I was 11 at the Houston, nice. at the Houston Summit. So, uh, yes, big fan of Mark's. I definitely check that out. Um, but lastly here, yeah, I love this last little note thrown into this, like, synopsis from Dave, I guess. Uh, talks with the taker back on. Maybe he'll be at Mania. Maybe he'll have a match. Uh, it, it, you know, coincidentally, these talks would have talked around the same time he did that thing where he flipped his social media around. So I don't know if that sent some, some flames up and some smoke and said, you know, come give me an offer, you know. It happened right at the same time that he started making a deal uh, to show up at Starcast, if I recall correctly. Well, the announcement uh, was made uh, right around then, but I think that they'd been, they had to have been in talks at least a little before that was my guess. Absolutely, absolutely. But but still, it, it's like one of those things where WWE is again becoming increasingly protective right. of kind of its brand, like they did with the contract for five year extensions and all that jazz. It, these talents are learning if they just kind of you know to what you said, put out put out some smoke here, a little bit of fire. WWE is going to come looking for them. So I'm your new best friend, WWE roster. DM me. DM's always <laughs> open. Um, let's see. All right. Back, back on track here. I love how the chamber results are tying into other stories. This is good. I like the pacing today. Uh, Finn Balor, he won the IC title, defeating, uh, Bobby Lashley and Leo Rush, pinning Leo Rush, causing dissent between Leo Rush and Lashley. Uh, but lo and behold, the next night on raw, they're back together working in cahoots. Finn Balor, IC champion. Um, yeah, I, 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 definitely a nice reward. I would guess for doing business with Brock the month before. And now we've got Finn. Yeah. But my problem, it's like him, Bailey and Sasha, I, I don't I don't know how I feel about crowning babyface champions going into WrestleMania. This isn't the time, I guess, for me personally to be doing that kind of thing. Well, you want to have you want to have the chase, right? You want to have the yeah. heel being chased by the the face. But I guess in the Vince McMahon world of everything is balanced and fifty fifty, right? He likes his scales to be perfectly even. Yeah, we have two big bad guys as the the champions on the top of the card. So everywhere else, we've got to have baby faces to balance it out here. The bigger thing here for me is uh, Lashley and Leah rush. Leah rush has been putting some work in dude. And it, it really does show, but uh, you know, Nick, how often do you just body slam your business partner and you guys are okay with it afterwards, right? It happens all the time, right? Man, I, I am a bad boss. So <laughs> I will say it, uh, it happens far more often than I would care to mention, or there's actually, you know, several non-disclosures where people will not be allowed to talk about the body slamming <laughs> I may or may not have done. As, it's just uh, weak details here, right? I mean, it's just, again, it's just the WWE could do more with their attention to detail for stuff like this. Uh, well, I talk about attention to detail. A literal detail at Elimination Chamber and Raw was Lacey Evans. I think she got a minute combined to two shows, uh, walking the runway. Wrestling Observer reporting these are just moments to give her screen time and prep her for a big push. Uh, I don't know what to, I mean, the, I guess the Sunday thing was kind of unexpected and like, whoa, who's this? What's going on? The thing with, uh, heavy machinery on Monday night raw was just, 
weird. I don't know what that was, you know? Yeah. It's it's a strange way to get it out there. I guess they think any news is good news, right? But yeah. I don't think this does much for her. Are heavy machinery just the bushwhackers now? Yep. Yeah, I told you that a couple weeks ago. This is where yeah. they this is what they've become. They are the comedy duo and they literally do the exact same hand motions. Welcome. Man, see Michael Hayes back there. Bushwhackers work, baby. <laughs> do it. <laughs> uh, Daniel Bryan, uh, we talked about that, retained. And then, of course, the last note I have here from Lunation Chamber, only three hours long. Only three hours or so long. God, I loved that. Well, so so it started at 7, right? Which was strange because normally pre-shows at 7. Was that a conscious? I mean, no, where did no, that no. decision come from? No, they've started them an hour earlier recently. Um, they, they started on time. Because Rumble they do because they go longer, right? And they do their big four at seven. But I thought historically pay-per-views were eight to 11, right? I like it, though. Don't get me wrong. I think, I, they, block, it. I think they block off four hours now for all of them. Oh, that's right. Stupid branding. No. Good call. I liked it. It was a good-timed pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and props. And while there was no news here because Buddy did retain, man, him and Tozawa uh, put on a kickoff show match that was far better than a kickoff show match should have been. It was very, very good. Yep. Very good. Um, following night, uh, following day, uh, yesterday, it was announced DX is going to be going into the WWE Hall of Fame. First official group announced. Uh, the group will be in its in its entirety. Triple H, HBK, X-Pac, Sean Waltman, China, Road Dog, and the badass Billy Gunn. Congratulations. Great induction. Um, this is Shawn Michaels. This will be his second induction, correct? Yes. Second induction for Shawn. First for everyone else. Triple H, now a WWE Hall of Famer. Uh, I can't say enough about happy I am for Sean to, to get this. And uh, China, you know, China's in now. Um, finally, uh, I, you know, uh, great induction. Thoughts on DX going in? Uh, you know, WWE will do anything they can to get their AEW guy, Billy Gunn, back on the roster. To <laughs> I know, that's right. I forgot. Okay, that's right. There was one more. I was like, there's somebody else in particular. Because Road Dog, yeah, he's there. He's, he's jamming and jiving with Jeff Jarrett. But yeah, Billy Gunn, the, the head coach of AEW, man, not a bad way to get him in a room and be like, what are these, what are these guys doing? Billy, we're friends. We're, we're friends. Remember when I fired you? For testing positive and pow- a powerlifting con, we won't tell anybody. Just tell us what their whole plan. You know, that yeah, yeah. was so dumb. You know, it was not my. Hey, what what's what's the ledger look like? Just what's give it? me an idea. How, what's what's the offers? They're like Billy. Six months. You got six months to go. How many? How serious are you? No, I, I like this from head to toe. There, right? This is a a good look for DX to get in there. Obviously, one of the most influential groups of all time i think it's interesting they melded both the pre-attitude era and the attitude era groups kind of together in one i like it i dig it the only thing i'll say is keep in perspective here it's awesome to see you know xbox and china both go in triple h hbk we kind of know will be in there anyway new age outlaws i think could have gone in on their own right but as part of this group it's fine as an aside cool to see china in but let's not mistake the fact that she has still not gotten her own induction and this is still not the exact same thing. Lots of times I disagree. Groups go in. I disagree. But go ahead. She's fine. Only reason I say that is because again, she's being talked about with all of the men in the group and not on her own for her own accomplishments. When they show the video, when they do all of this, it's all framed around the entirety of all these men and her. It's gonna leave out all the great stuff that she did on her own as a singles wrestler post DX, a feud she had with Chris Jericho, all of that kind of stuff that makes her who she was and how influential she was gets lost in the shuffle here. And so I think, again, China deserves 
better. And I almost wonder if this wasn't set up this way to just placate the critics just a little bit. Look, she's in, she's in. You get in, you get to wear the ring. You're a Hall of Famer. You go in as a group. You go in as an individual. I, I think, you know, either way, it's a big win, right? There are only, what, now two two-time Hall of Famers, Sean and Ric Flair, right? The other one potentially here could be Bret Hart if uh, the Hart Foundation rumor becomes true. And I wonder here with uh, all of Dick going, is this how they set the stage for the full Hart Foundation to kind of move a couple of those? Is this how you get Bulldog in there? You mm. know, as, as part of the Hart Foundation stuff. Yeah. You know, that, and, Could be. And to think that DX and the Hart Foundation go in in the same year is very interesting to me. That could be fascinating. So question for you. So Triple H is going in with this. Triple H will obviously at some point go in for his own merits. Will they ever induct Evolution? And will then that make Triple H a three-time inductee alongside Ric Flair, who at that point will have been a three-time inductee? Maybe. I mean, you got to fill all ten fingers somehow. So let's do Evolution. <laughs> you know, maybe, uh, you know, Hunter Hearst Helmsley, the original iteration. I mean, he had a good run. That's a ring. You know, Ryzen, what was he? Yeah, Ryzen, 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 that's a ring. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I, I, it'll be, an, and I think that you know, with DX being the initial one, I, I would not anticipate an Undertaker Hall. I, that was, you know, Labar and I were talking about on the show a couple, couple days there, or last week or so. Um, maybe Undertaker showing up as a Hall of Fame inductee this year. Um, interesting, they went the DX route, um, and and not, you know, I would guess Undertaker not going in this year. Potential rumors still, possibly The Rock. Could that be there and out there? Maybe. I mean, look, they're going to be going up against the Madison Square Garden show with this Hall of Fame. And not for lack of trying, they're putting together a good roster this year of Hall of Famers. So uh, it'll be very interesting to see how this thing shapes up. They're taking it very seriously, I can tell. <laughs> um, Abyss, by the way, speaking of WWE, has officially started working backstage at Raw. He posted a photo with uh, the Hurricane Shane Helms. Congratulations. He'll be great back there. Um, PW Insider reporting, Bray Wyatt, very close to a return. Of course, his name was mentioned in uh, Meltzer's report, possible Daniel Bryan WrestleMania uh, opponent. He is waiting on final medical clearance. Uh, no word on what he could be doing back when he returns, except for, I guess, maybe a thing with Daniel Bryan. But I don't want to see him with Daniel Bryan and Eric Rowan. I don't want to get into it. I don't think the promo battles would be good. I think it would get too weird with all of the fanfic you know, that all three of these guys would have together. I like Rowan and Daniel Bryan as a, as a, as a duo. And I don't want to see Bray Wyatt getting in the mix with them at this moment. Would be what about friend. Bray Wyatt versus Kevin Owens? Bray Wyatt kept sure. Yeah, absolutely. Two guys return same night, make a big splash. Two guys, the fans love, even if they hate them at the same time. I, I dig it. That's the feud I want to see. They could, uh, they could, uh, uh, they could go to an all you could eat buffetery. Right, uh, and wow, they, that's mean. They could fight. Is... What, John? What? Kevin Owens is the one who can't stop eating on camera, right? <laughs> like every promo, and it's got to be a joke, right? And I think it's because George Clooney. No, it wasn't. Was it? No, it wasn't Clooney. It was uh, Matt Damon in Ocean's Eleven. If you watch that movie, he's eating something in every scene. I think that might be a callback to that. Anyway. Mm. Um, but yeah, uh, Kevin, you know, they could sit there, they could take a couple punches, maybe have like some mashed potatoes and they could fight a little bit more. You know, that seems to be the Kevin Owens show at the moment. House uh, of Horrors match. It just takes place at the Golden Corral instead. I Gold, mean, I could dig that. Ugh, don't get me started on Golden Corral. I know we're short on time, but nothing is grosser <laughs> to me than the Golden Corral chocolate fountain. Like what's in there? Band-Aids? I don't know. All and right. there goes your sponsor for this week. Thanks <laughs> sorry, a lot, Hoffman. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. My bad, Golden Corral. Um, let's see. Wrestlers are also an injury. Note, uh, Seth Rollins back still hurting. No, not a huge surprise here. WWE keeping him off the road and hopes been being 100% for Mania. 
Uh, and two Impact Wrestling notes here. Josh Matthews announced on Twitter that Eddie Edwards has signed a new long-term deal with Impact Wrestling. Excited to hear this. Eddie has been doing the best work he's done in a long time here um, in Impact Wrestling right now. They've given a lot of freedom. Um, I'm happy to hear that. And also, Gail Kim announced at the tapings over the weekend, which our own Joey G was at, that she is coming out of retirement uh, to start wrestling again for Impact Wrestling. So good to see. Gail Kim will be back in the mix, too. Great addiction, great addition for Impact Wrestling. Yes? Yep, she can still go. I would love to see her just make at least one more appearance in the WWE ring. But, mm. yeah, good get for Impact Wrestling. I, I don't think that's going to happen, Mike. I know. She's done some things on Twitter that uh, I don't think. Everybody has. Everybody has. At this time, it is my pleasure to welcome to the show an MMA and pro wrestling legend. It is Josh Barnett. Josh, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me here today. Thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, now, Josh... I'm very excited to chat with you. I had uh, Davey Boy Smith Jr. on earlier this week. He revealed he's going to be doing Bloodsport, which I got very excited about because I was a big fan of, of Matt Riddle's Bloodsport from last year. So I figured I got to reach out to Josh. I want to talk to you about this. Bloodsport, it's going down Thursday, April 4th, 4 p.m. at the White Eagle Hall in Jersey City, New Jersey. Uh, I'll start off by saying how familiar were you with Bloodsport from last year? Did you, did you uh, get a chance to enjoy that show from last year? Uh, I was very familiar with it because I was asked to uh, headline it the first time uh, against Matt Riddle, but um, uh, it was not a date that I could make because of uh, some other obligations. So it, it went down its own path and eventually ended up with uh, Minoru Suzuki uh, taking on Matt Riddle in the main event. And so when Matt Riddle was signed to the WWE, meaning that his ability to to put the show on and be go out there and doing any any indie any indie bookings was now hampered uh they came back to me and asked me if i'd be interested in in taking over the show and making it uh, my title show and i said sure as long as I, I get to be involved in the entirety of the process and uh, i think that that's what you're seeing uh with this year's show and and why if, if you can if you measure the two how they come off quite differently yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, you've got a great... Uh, so are you saying that you're picking the talent? Are you doing the matchmaking as well for Bloodsport this year? Yes. Okay. I, I have uh, a very uh, com committed and... Uh, uh, I guess uh, it's not as if I'm working all by myself. Don't get me wrong. I'm working with GCW on this, and they have been invaluable in helping with secure uh, certain talents and connections. And uh, it is... Uh, a cooperative process, but I have a, a very heavy stake in the matchmaking and booking the talent and setting this up. Man. Uh, it was the only way that I would really want to do this anyways, because, uh, you know, if I'm going to attach my name to it, it's got to be something that, that I fully back and have a stake in. Man, that's, that's great. I, and talk to me a little bit about the actual like style of blood sport. I mean, for those that aren't familiar the, it's a tap out or knockout only victories. They remove all the ring ropes, so it's just an empty canvas there. I mean, what do you think of this type of presentation? Are you surprised that somebody hasn't done something like this before? Uh, yeah, I guess a little bit. Um, people are always looking for a different gimmick to uh, to spice up the the theater of wrestling, but um as far as you know knockout or submission matches those have been done before even in the, the biggest companies like the wwe so sure. uh 
uh, I think for us, it's not just about the, the format. It's about the, 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 the talent and the way it's going to be presented, uh, the, the action in the ring. I keep telling everyone uh, that this is going to be the hardest hitting event of all WrestleMania week. There's going to be more actual wrestling in, in this ring than probably every show that's going to go down. Yeah, I mean, and when you say you're working with GCW here, GCW, I, I'm a big fan of Brett and the GCW guys. They do a lot of great shows, but, man, do they do some crazy shows as well. I mean, you say you're working really well with GCW when you originally, I mean, it sounds like a year ago you were talking to these guys. Was there any hesitance in, in, in coming on board with this crew? This is a pretty wild bunch. No, not really. They they were pro- Brett's been very professional and easy to work with. Um, I realize that they have a diversified event portfolio so to speak uh but that's not what they're asking of me you know that this is a very it, it's a part of that gcw network but it's its own thing and uh, especially since i have my my hand so deep in it um it doesn't you know there isn't like a lot of cross-pollination um but that's okay because i think it's just fine that uh certain events can stand out on their own uh and, and still be a part of that collective yeah, and man, you do. You've got some great talent here. I wanted to talk just a little bit about uh, some of the different talents you've announced. What what gravitated you towards bringing them in? Of course, one of the first big names you announced was Frank Mir. Talk to me about how you got Frank Mir involved in this and how you think he's going to fare uh, as a pro wrestler. Well, it was a real surprise to me that he was even interested in doing professional wrestling. But yeah. uh, to get his, to get into this uh, arena, this is the the best place for him to start. Um, I think his skills are going to be very uh, well utilized, uh, for this. And, and, uh, you know, pro wrestling is, uh, it's a, it's a difficult animal to try and tame, but Hey, he's, he's already comes from one other side of the, the coin of pro wrestling, which is shooting. And so he's just going to show up and I bet you just give you as much as, as, anybody would ever expect out of coming and watching Frank Mir fight. Man, now I don't know if you want to reveal any matches or anything like that, but when you got a guy like that with Frank Mir with, you know, almost no experience, right? I mean, what kind of a what kind of an opponent would you like to see him paired with? Uh, one that's tough enough to, to deal with a 250-plus pound ex-UFC champion. Okay. Um, well, one of those dudes would definitely be Davey Boy Smith Jr. I'm a big Davey fan. I've known Harry for, for many years now. Uh, I was excited to see him on this card. Tell me about how you think he's going to be showcased here, because I don't think that anybody's ever had a chance to see Davey in this kind of a space. You know what I mean? It's true, uh, mainly because these spaces just don't exist. Yeah, uh, I know there are some other shows out there, uh, but there are very few and far between. Um, it's the nature of the product of the, of the world of wrestling at the moment, but uh, this is exactly the kind of place where where Harry should be, in my opinion. And uh, I expect him to to really be one of the people that sets an example. I, I think so too. I mean, you know, a lot of people probably don't know, you know, a lot of the training that Harry does, and uh, his, you know, he does have some MMA background. I know that he has. I don't think he's ever done an official fight or anything like that, but I know he's entertained it before. Um, so this, this should be very interesting to see him in there. Uh, another one that, that, that kind of surprised me what, that I was unex- that I thought was unexpected was Jonathan Gresham. Why, why did you pick Gresham to join this group of hard-hitting MMA types? 
Uh, Gresham was brought to my attention by, by Brett. There's a lot of people in indie wrestling that I am, I do not know. I don't watch it by and large. It's, you would have to, you have to go through some lengths to track a lot of this stuff down. And, you know, it's just a, it's a big sprawling uh, marketplace. But, uh, once I was hip to him, I went and did my research and totally gave the thumbs up to Gresham. Uh, he's, he's, got the foundational elements and the approach that we like mm-hmm. yeah I, I i agree i'm he's a great mat technician great grappler i was just a little surprised to see him on there because it's a lot of big dudes you've got on this card you know he stands out in that way uh one of the names i was surprised that i haven't seen big how what do you mean big in terms of size or big in terms of notoriety big in terms of size i feel like it's a lot of bigger si- i mean these are yes. big big men yes. you know yeah yeah, and that's not by accident. Uh, my intent was to make a show with heavyweights. Um, indie wrestling, if it's if it's really lacking one thing, it's actual heavyweight wrestlers. There are not big men in in in, in indie wrestling by and large. You go to any one show and you might see one, two guys on a card that are over two twenty at yeah. best. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, I put myself out there and made sure to to put together a show that was. You know, it's, it's, you want something Titanic, you want something larger than life. Well, why don't you start with uh, Titanic athletes? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're going for Mike Awesome, not Mike, uh, you know, so-so or, or, or <laughs> Mike uh, uh, Mediocre or, or Mike. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. That guy lives down the street from me. <laughs> sure. Sure. M- Mike So-So. Yeah. I could see somebody stealing that name for the Indies. That's a good indie name. Mike So-So. Um, I mean, Timothy. Well, and you have that so so power bomb too. Like you just barely pick him up. Because, <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, yeah, I mean, Timothy Thatcher. I've been around that. That dude's huge, right? I mean, Dan Severin is still very big. Wall- yeah. yeah, I mean, the, I mean, and Tom Lawler. He has an advantage. I don't think a lot of people know about, but he went and got arm surgery, and he's kind of like Lex Luger now, where he's got a steel plate in his forearm. That feels like that should be illegal. Well, that's something I guess that we'll have to consider. Uh, I do have a steel plate in my in my left hand, although it's not across my knuckles or anything like that. Sure. Um, well, we'll see. You know, maybe he's got enough uh, cushioning that it won't matter. But maybe we'll have to uh, play it by ear. Um, and you know, we haven't released. We have a couple more names that still need to be put out there. So uh, I think every announcement, even still, is going to increase that interest and uh, and excitement about what the hell these matchups are going to be. Yeah, no, and that's the thing is you're giving me all the pieces, but you haven't put the puzzle together, right? Which is so fun right now. I was trying to kind of think about, you know, could we see a Suzuki gun battle, right? Could we see uh, Minoru versus, versus Davey? I think that'd be a kind of a cool thing there. You know, I've seen those guys uh, uh, spar before uh, Ring of Honor Global Wars before, and it was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Um, so, I mean, a lot of very interesting matchups. You say there's talent that has not been announced yet. One name that has a lot of buzz right now that is returning to pro wrestling that I haven't seen is Ken Shamrock. Um, what do you think of Ken's decision to return to pro wrestling? Is he somebody you, without announcing that you would like to see in this kind of space? I think Ken fits perfectly into this space, you know? Um, and as far as him returning to pro wrestling, if he feels that it's, um, it's something that he wants to do and he's got the, the energy and the interest to do it, then by all means, you know, go back to it, have uh, live out as much of what you're capable while you're capable. 
mm-hmm. and uh, I I don't see any anything but a positive from it. But as for him being in Bloodsport, um, would be def- it would be pretty nice. I could say that. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, it's like Ken would be there, Dan Severn would be there. I mean, we're talking. I mean, you're there. I mean, we're talking legit UFC. You know, light legends, Hall of Famers here uh, in this mix. I, I again, I, I'll be there. I'll be at Bloodsport. Don't don't worry about it. Uh, just a very eclectic, awesome group of people you have. Another name from the MMA world that's uh, you know teasing a bit of maybe making a leap into pro wrestling is Daniel Cormier. Um, what do you think if uh, of Daniel Cormier possibly making the leap to pro wrestling? Do you think that he'd fit well in this environment? Uh, I mean, he has all the. He's got all the requirements. I'll tell you that much. Uh, and his his um, his lengthy amateur wrestling background and his time uh, fighting as an MMA fighter are only a massive benefit towards um, being successful in professional wrestling with such a a great foundation uh, as as a physical combat athlete. Uh, how? Anything, anything else would go from there is beyond me. I don't know uh, what we would see, but the man knows what it's like to be under the hot lights. He knows what it's like to have to step up and perform. I can't see that he would do a bad job. Yeah, and I mean, is this? Do you think this is the direction the pro wrestling is headed? Uh, you know, it's it, there was definitely you know you, you, the past couple of years, you know, there's been whatever you want to call it, uh, gymnastics or more spot heavy wrestling. It's a very different style. Do you feel like? Uh, with the influx of MMA talent coming into pro wrestling, this is more the direction the business is headed right now. Uh, I, I do think it is a bit of us. Um, what should I say? Uh, it's a it's a look of some of the shaping of how wrestling is 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 going to is changing in its current paradigm. But you know. I think the biggest thing is is that you can go out there and you can ape a bunch of MMA moves, and that doesn't make it any different from doing the same choreography-based wrestling that you see anyways most of the time. So that wouldn't really be much of a departure. That's just That would just read to me more of, well, people are getting sick of us doing this cool stuff. Let's do this other cool stuff, uh, but let's not actually wrestle. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so... It's really not a matter of what moves you use. It's about how you use them and, and what you do to put together the foundation of how you go out there and have a match. So what I'm hoping is that, you know, and MMA fighters make a great foundation because you have all these, all, I mean, wrestling is still combat. It's supposed to be a combat sport. It's a fight, not, you know, it's, it's not about sitting, you know, being an ice skater and going and doing your, your tandem and then having people hold up signs judging you for how many tricks you did or how clean your your skating was. or I mean, that's not what wrestling is. And people have really conflated the idea of, like, star ratings and things like that and keep talking about trying to call it an art and trying to call it this. And it's like it really undermines the whole thing that makes wrestling uh, an interesting thing to watch you know it undermines the, the idea that there's a conflict going on and then there's some sort of story to be told now it just becomes well kind of like Cirque du Soleil except you know without the brutal and uh without without the brutal and unforgiving barrier of entry that Cirque du Soleil has instead you just 
give anybody who wants to give you 500 bucks for three months or whatever, and voila, you are a wrestler. So, um, and I think that it's, it would also be really arrogant and ignorant to think that just because you're an MMA fighter, that you can go out there and, and do professional wrestling. There's a lot more to it than that. And I've seen some people, great athletes, try to dabble with it and just watch them and go, this is not for them. <laughs> how do you, uh, how, on that note, a uh, couple questions here. Um, how do you think Ronda Rousey has transitioned into pro wrestling? Recently, she seems to have gotten thrown by the fans when she's doing the, the microphone talky part of the pro wrestling aspect, you know? Well, some of it's her adversary, right? So people like Becky Lynch are as nuclear hot as they've ever been. So they don't, you know, they really want to rally behind her and they want to hate everything that Ronda says. I think that Ronda gets a lot of un, undue and uh, undeserved harsh criticism. Everybody deserves, or maybe not deserves, but everybody is, is open to criticism. Everybody is, is, is in the position that, that, that they should, they should receive it. You know, criticism doesn't necessarily mean just knocking people down a peg and it doesn't mean deriding them. It, it also means giving a, a, a viewpoint, a critical viewpoint and allowing someone to use that information to make an adjustment or not. Um, but you know, I, I, I don't follow wrestling that closely. I really don't. <laughs> I don't watch it for the most part. So okay. I don't know all of it, but I, I do keep track of what my students, Shana, Jessamine and Marina are up to. Um, and so I get some of it filtered. I get it filtered to me in that direction. But uh, from what I've seen so far from Rhonda, I think she's really acclimated herself well and is performing admirably. Okay. Uh, and also, when I when I hear you talk about you know Cirque du Soleil style wrestling, I can't help but think about some of the comments uh, you've made in the past about the Young Bucks, right, in New Japan. I mean, how do you feel about these guys taking the lead and, and launching a promotion like AEW? I mean, what are your feelings on that? What what comments are those exactly? Uh, well, I mean, I just remember like hearing uh, like on commentary you making comments about the Bucks style during matches and you know how they were flying around or whatever like that. I don't have the words right in front of me, but you know I could probably find them online. Well, I mean, I'll tell you this: the only thing I've if I've ever done anything when commentating the Bucks, I didn't deride their style, but I I did. I was when they were heels, which they were almost the entirety of their New Japan run. Right. Uh, I derided them for cheating for breaking the rules, for attacking referees, for being cocky, being arrogant, um, and insulting their opponents because they were heels. That's what you're supposed to do. And I realized that that a lot of their fan base that followed them over there just thinks of them as like cool edgy bros. And it's like, well, that's fine, but you have to understand that they're not doing they're not just cool edgy bro in new Japan. They're here part of the bullet club. They're heels. They're cheating in the matches, you know, and hitting people with worn objects and cold spray. And I mean, that's, that's the point. They're, they're, they're doing a job uh, in, in that role. And our job as commentators were to commentate on what we see. So when we see somebody, you know, distract the ref and then kick someone in the nuts and do stuff like that. We have to decry it. We're not going to clap and, and, and be like, oh, they're so fucking funny. Like, no, it's that's not – you guys want to – if if the fans want to receive it that way, that's completely within their, their right to do so. But as commentators, especially commentators taking New Japan Pro Wrestling and treating it 
in a very realistic, professional, and straight up way, you know, we, we, we're going to delineate the heels from the faces and they were not faces and they were not cool guys. They were, they were bad guys to begin with. Uh, and then the other only other element that I could ever see of would be saying that they made a mistake in the ring when they hit a move, they go to hit some big uh, splash or some big contrived, very complex scenario and it doesn't work out. And what I mean doesn't work out means they don't get the pin, they get countered, what have you, is not to deride their wrestling style. I'm not watching wrestling matches as somebody's style and somebody's the only way I would watch a wrestling match and commentate on it in terms of style would be like if you were watching Anderson Silva versus I don't know uh, uh, John Fitch where John Fitch's style is to get inside and get a, get a shot off and get a double leg get a single body lock you under the wall something like that and Anderson's going to stay very loose his style meaning to work at the end of his punches and strikes and staying fleet of foot so that's the only consideration. I won't, I don't want to talk. I have no interest to ever to talk about wrestling and breaking the fourth wall in terms of what they do in their in-ring product. But if they hit a big, crazy melter driver of some sort and it doesn't get them the three count, what I want to do is give them and it re, them the excuse to why, well, you know, they're tired. It was slipped a little bit. You can see the impact wasn't quite perfect. Uh, or the, the opponent managed to just, you know, maybe, you know, he, he, he's super slippery or they didn't secure the shoulder enough because I don't want, in my perspective, what I'm trying to do is to make it so that the fact that that wasn't the move that did it wasn't because that move couldn't do it. It wasn't because that they're not capable of doing it with that move. It's not because, you know, it's because either A, that opponent is just super tough, super resilient, super whatever, but also you know, it's combat. Things happen. If every punch thrown and lands clean was a knockout, then it wouldn't every, you know, fantastic. But most punches don't end up in knockouts. Most submissions don't end up being the one that finished the match. And so that's not that the submission sucks. It's not that their punching is terrible. It's just simply a matter of fact. It's just, it's a ode to the reality of being in a fight. And if something happens, there's a mistake or a little, you know, don't quite hit the pile driver as clean as you want. And then they're able to make a comeback and win. Well, you know, you can say that they were really close to winning and, you know, it just, just a little thing got out of the way, maybe a few more inches, maybe done a little sooner and it's their match. And therefore nobody looks weak. That's the intent. Okay. So, yeah. you know, I know there's this idea going around that I somehow used to sit around and just, bury the young bucks on commentary but that's never been the case and if anything i've only treated them harshly as heels and that's it and when they started making this turnaround from being a heel to a face you know it's a whole different story and that's simply a matter of how i see commentary is supposed to be but back to your initial question and that is you know, it doesn't matter what move you do. It doesn't matter if you want to jump off of something or, you know, leap from the, it's, none of that matters. It only matters how you put it together and whether or not you have the intention that you're really trying to win. I think um, anything is possible. And I've said it a million times, like watching Kushida and Osprey, I don't feel like I'm watching people 
necessarily always going just doing a bunch of choreography. I feel like there's people trying to wreck each other. And it's not about even how hard they do something. It's just a matter of intent. And the, the I should say, the, the mental philosophy towards each person when they're in the ring. Okay. Uh, thank you for addressing that. Yeah, because you're right. I, I think that there is uh, definitely fans out there that think or feel you feel a certain way about the Bucks and their style. So I, I appreciate you taking the time to, to explain that. Well, uh, what it comes down to is that they they just they have a certain way that they want to view wrestling, and they don't like it being done any other way. And that means they want gimmick commentators. They want to they want the comment they want everyone to wink with them as they watch it. And the young bucks do a good amount of winking at their audience, you know. And and you can argue whether that's good or bad, but. I'm not going to do that that much, at least, especially not when it comes to the wrestlers. Uh, I do like to have a bit of fun out there, but I don't want to tear down the fourth wall. And I, I want the wrestlers to seem as strong and as competent as possible. I want the storylines to have the most amount of, uh, most amount of effectiveness. I want people to be able to lose themselves in that match and to believe that what happens in there matters. So that, that's my perspective. Uh, when I think about you breaking the fourth wall, and uh, thank you for the time here again. I know we've gone a little bit over what I told you we would, but this I'm just enjoying this conversation. Um, there was the moment at the Long Beach show at New Japan when you had a you know altercation there, confrontation I should say with Jay White after he bumped the table and, and hurt Jim Ross and all that. What do you think about the fact that New Japan has now made this guy the guy, the IWGP Heavyweight Champion? Um, I mean, just your your impressions of that. Um. Well, I haven't been able to watch uh, any New Japan since uh, the last episodes that we did. Right. But uh, Jay White was getting steadily and steadily better. And beyond beyond the fact that, honestly, they need people to be heels and to be bad guys and to take up that mantle, the Bullet Club became a glorified sort of nwo thing but like like a cool guy gimmick and then it got it was like because and i don't think anybody wants to actually be a heel anymore nobody wants to take on the mantle of a real heel wrestler and everybody wants to be the cool bad guy they can still sell merch and do meet and greets and you know get to get to pal around with the fans instead of being the guy that won't doesn't sign merch doesn't uh sign autographs you know keeps that perspective up and gives that heel uh character some weight to it so that people get invested in wanting to dislike that character and so that also when they do make that turnaround if that ever comes about that it's shocking and and, and unusual and and has an impact um I think that's just the way of things. And so to have someone willing to go out there and embody more of a heel persona, that's important because you're only as good as your adversaries. And if you don't have good adversaries, then, oh, and not to mention if you just have the same adversary or some, someone that it's just like, it's, well, I could be this guy, it could be that guy. Well, then it's, you're not as invested. You want to see some people that, have a real bona fide problem with each other or someone that is just an absolute, you know, jerk, uh, just a villain that will do whatever it takes to get that win. Um, so I think it's great. And I think it's, and to be perfectly honest, I never really wanted to talk about 
the J the incident with Jay White, uh, myself and Jr. at Long Beach at the Cow Palace, or San Francisco, sorry, at the Cow Palace. In in a shoot way, I always wanted. And after it was all said and done, we the principals had, had sorted it all out, and everybody was on board and okay. Um, drinks were had, and you know people became better better uh better used to each other and uh you know so i figured that all right well it is what it is but now it's it's more useful to be used in a in a kayfabe manner uh, than it is otherwise like this is heat use it right he got nuclear heat after yeah. what happened Absolutely. um and you know contrary to what some some uh, sources or some some critics out there might say I actually got a huge gigantic pop when I went after <laughs> Jay White and I went in the ring. Yeah. So and no, there was no interest to go in business for myself. I didn't want any business. I didn't want to. I'd spoken to New Japan plenty of times about wanting to 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 work matches, but I also understood that as commentator that that creates an issue. And so, okay, fine. But that was. That was a matter of something entirely unrelated to anything that I was interested in in terms of doing for wrestling. That was that was a, a moment of reality, not of going in business for oneself. Uh, but the result of it was um, Jay White got super nuclear heat. Um, Juice Robinson became such a face out of it. Yes, got he did. So much, mm-hmm. so much of a of a response let's use it the best thing to do you know accidents mistakes are made can't fix that but we can go forward with something more positive and more beneficial to everyone and i do mean everyone because even sitting in that announcer's chair uh it if they're benefiting we're benefiting and if we're benefiting they're benefiting and it's cyclical right yeah. uh, so that was ultimately what I wanted most. And if this is how it's turned out and it's, and people are getting a good solid heel that is creating interest and creating conflict, then fantastic. That's, that's what needs, that's what's needed. I kind of thought you were going to knock him out when I watched it play. When I watched it live, I was like, Oh my God, Josh Barnett's about to kill Jay White. But yeah, I'm, I'm glad to hear drinks. Were I hard. didn't, I <laughs> hadn't thought that far ahead, uh, <laughs> but I was, fucking mad as hell Um, (laughs) not all of it you know it was just irresponsible and uh i think that the removal from or the removal the the drifting away from the older traditional foundations of what professional wrestling is and how it operates have, have actually been a bit of quite a bit of a detriment quite a bit no quite a detriment and uh with if those were more in place, I don't think things like that would have happened. I also think that some of the some of the, what we see in professional wrestling would would move a lot smoother and uh, with less snags. And I, I think it would allow itself to, to to even become that much greater. But I, I really do feel like there's a something missing from that traditional foundation of the training, the culture of professional wrestling, and. Uh, you know, being a part of the program. It's like, uh, you know, one conversation with me and JR would have solved all of that. Yeah. 
Uh, all right, well, uh, I'll wrap it up here. I know we've got uh, – we'll do a hard plug here for Bloodsport. Obviously, that's the next big thing on your plate. But you talk about how you're not really watching pro wrestling at the moment. I mean, what are your focuses and your goals for you personally here in 2019? Are you more MMA-focused or are you more pro wrestling-focused uh, going into this year? Well, I mean, I, I do have uh, – I am also one of the people on the card right. for uh, Bloodsport. So – and I have a match in Q in Vegas for QPW, my buddy Alan's show, against uh, Tom Lawler, oh. uh, March 14th. Very cool. So I definitely have pro wrestling on the the near horizon, but for me, man, pro wrestling is shooting or working. And and if I'm working in this uh, in this space, then I'm also going to be looking to to get some shoot matches as well. And I'm hoping to get a couple fights in before the end of the year. Um, but there's a lot of projects on the horizon. Uh, my fight team is doing quite quite well, and Victor Henry's fighting for a bantamweight title in a Japanese promotion called Deep, March 9th. Not to mention all my amateurs that are. I'm always trying to keep busy. But you know, the big, the next big big thing for me is this blood sport. Well, also February 22nd, I'm doing a combat jiu-jitsu tournament, which will be on UFC Fight Pass. Uh, so I guess that's the the most impressing <laughs> matter. But uh, it's a big deal to me to make blood sport not just enjoyable and entertaining. I want it to blow people's minds. I want it to be the kind of thing where people go, holy shit, you cannot get this anywhere else. There is no other place that you will get this kind of wrestling from these kind of athletes. Nothing will compare. And that's a lot to live up to. And I, I'm really greatly looking forward to the challenge. And I, I think April 4th um, at the White Eagle Hall, we're going to dis- fully display that. Thank you very much, Josh Barnett, for sitting down with me, chatting all about the world of professional wrestling at the moment. And, uh, of course, Bloodsport, go check it out. It's going to be going down WrestleMania weekend, April 4th. And uh, that brings us to the end of the show tomorrow. Uh, I, I may have an interview tomorrow. Uh, I, have a, I have one in the tank. I've got another one coming up. But I've also got Joey G that's coming on tomorrow to recap his Impact Wrestling VIP adventure, which I'm very excited about. So I may make that the feature. We'll see. Um, but, of course, he went bowling with the Lucha Brothers in LAX. I want to hear all about it. Um, go back. You can find all three nights of his Impact Wrestling Spoilers on the site. Impact Wrestling Spoilers right now on the site. Uh, we got, of course, more interviews coming out this week. And uh, tonight, after SmackDown, tune into the Wrestling Inc. YouTube channel for our post-show discussion rundown with Raj, Matt, and Glenn. Check it out. Get on it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I will be on tonight's post-show. I do oh, believe. Right. So that's, two that, for Tuesday, back in action. That's right. You, Matt. You, Matt, and Raj. Yeah. There you go. Because Glenn, Glenn is off one Tuesday a month. Mm. gotcha yes that's what it is all right wonderful thank <laughs> that's you. like a one tuesday a month <laughs> thank you mm. yes wonderful uh michael where, where do you want to send people to find you follow you all those great things uh you should follow me i am on twitter at the real wiseman i am on instagram at wiseman.ma just had an article go up over the weekend analyzing has wwe's reboot helped or hurt its superstars and storylines of course we cover so much news it's probably not the main page anymore but if you follow me on twitter it will definitely be there I'm working on some stuff this week. Um, have one article in the queue, but one I, I'm going to be building off of your interview with Josh Barnett and looking at the WWE's tendency to want to use crossover athletes and how that kind of plays into things and the the big thing going on right now. Kind of spurred by the Mark Henry documentary from Sunday night, so that should be a lot of fun to write. Cool. And uh, yes, I am at Wink Rebel over on Twitter. Uh, just follow the site WrestlingInc.com. Make it your life. Make it 
your religion no i used to say that about another <laughs> show it's oh. so creepy uh thank you all for tuning <laughs> it's in it's a cult it's a cult uh no thank you all very much uh for tuning in to uh to the show today and look forward to the next two days justin labar returns tomorrow and remember if you winked you didn't miss it When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.